across the influencer, everyone has influence or everyone can lead. This has been about leadership. I started out by saying that good leadership is a miracle. You know, in this part of the world, we celebrate miracles of healing, miracles of, you know, deliverances and all that better than some other kinds of miracles. Yeah, there are some miracles that are more like retail miracles where you open blind eyes or um, somebody who has been sick is lifted up from the bed. That's, that's, that's a miracle, but it happened to one person. When good leadership in place, everybody wins when a leader gets better. Everybody wins when there's good leadership. Yeah. Part of what we're dealing with in our nation has been consistency of bad leadership or inefficient leadership that has kept us in underdevelopment. Uh, um, and, you know, if we don't want to continue to celebrate mediocrity, we need to face the fact that except we start to raise great leadership in this nation, across board, not just political leadership, great leadership at home, great leadership in church, so that the churches are run better and run with people with the calling of God on their life, the fear of God in their heart, and great leadership skill to manage human and material resources and deploy the things of the Spirit in a way that will be a blessing to humanity without, you know, uh, um, infringing on anybody's rights. That's how to lead. That's how to lead well. So whether at home, in church, in business, everybody wins when a leader gets, gets better. Everybody wins when we have the right leader in place. Scripture says when, you know, when, when the righteous rules, there's rejoicing because great things will happen. Great things will happen. Good leaders lead, uh, you know, with principles. They don't lead with emotions. They lead with principles. Because life is governed by certain principles that make things happen or bring development or bring, you know, progress. So when there are good leaders, it's a miracle. When you have a good leader, you know, in the educational sector, you see miracle of, you know, eradicating illiteracy and ignorance. When you see good leadership in the health sector, you see people you know, health maintenance and good health is now wholesale. So it's not just one or two people, you know, living well or living healthy. Are you still with me today? That's why we're teaching leadership, uh, uh, you know, uh, for the past few weeks and we will still have one or two more weeks to go. And I, I just wanted to pay attention to the things that we have been saying and what I'm going to teach this morning. We need to pay attention. Don't, don't wave it aside as one of those things that we'll get to. If you want to live better, lead better. If you want to raise the next generation, you need to learn to lead better now. If you want your business to outlive you and not go with you, you need to lead better right now. Lead for legacy. Don't just strive for success. Go for significance. Yeah. A good manager will achieve success. A great leader will, 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 will live a significant life or lead with significance. Praise God. I said, praise God. I titled this viral leadership. Viral leadership. The thought around uh, this teaching this morning is how do we keep reproducing leaders? Because it's very important for us to understand that whether it's a commandment of Jesus in Matthew 28 or just generally how things work, leadership is needed. For things to work. Leadership is needed. 
for everybody to live better. One of the laws of leadership, according to the leadership guru John Maxwell, in his 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, is the law of explosive growth. It states that to hard growth, lead followers. To multiply growth, lead leaders. To hard growth, lead followers. To multiply growth, lead leaders. Let me read Matthew 28, verse 18, 19, and 20. We call it the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. The Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Our commission, which we call the Great Commission, is a leadership mandate. Jesus said, Go into the world. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What he was saying is, go and lead. Let's not spiritualize the word make disciples. Jesus was saying, go and lead. Lead people. Influence them. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Not some things. Not a few things. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything. When children are led well from when they were young, they turn out to be fantastic adults. Yeah. When an organization starts and is led well, it turns out to be a great organization that will influence humanity positively. When a church is run well, the kingdom of God is established, heaven is populated, great people are raised that will lead well in their sphere of influence. And the nation benefits from that. And our world benefits from that. Everything that we see in our world today that has gone wrong is as a result of one leadership failure or the other in the different spheres of life. And Jesus gave us a leadership mandate when he said, go make disciples of all nations. What he was saying is, go influence all nations positively. Yeah. And baptizing them, that means bring them into the kingdom. Bring them into the kingdom. Go influence them and then bring them into the kingdom. Go influence them and bring them into the kingdom. That's our mandate. That's the great commission. We are influencers. We are leaders. We are influencers. We are leaders. The great commission is a mandate to develop leaders. And it is failure of leadership if an enterprise or mission dies with you. It's failure of leadership if an enterprise or mission dies with, with the person that start, started it. Praise God. So Jesus was the greatest leader to have ever lived. And how did Jesus develop people? The three key words in Jesus' leadership development you know, approach. And those three words are the things that we're going to look at today. Now, as I uh, continue with this teaching, I want, I want to help somebody. You know, it's possible for you to be looking at me right now and everyone watching at the other centers and everyone from all around the world and, and think maybe you are at entry level in your career right now. And all you're saying is, you know, PG, I'm not about to raise any leader. In fact, I need, I need to be raised. <laughs> I, need, I need help, you know, and all that. I need to be raised. 
I need you to listen as I teach this morning. Because now that you are at the receiving hand, some of us have been at the receiving hand before. We are now largely at the giving hand. I mean, I'm still being mentored and discipled myself. But largely now, I'm mentoring and discipling people, Emma's. But I remember my journey of leadership. It started at following someone. And seeing these three things play out in that relationship. The easiest people to lead are people, like I said two Sundays ago, who are self-leaders. Who are open to being led. So if you are at the starting point in life, you then need to ask yourself, all these things I'm going to discuss this morning, will it be easy for somebody to do it with me? Am I a goat or a sheep? Because I want a situation where you develop a renewed mindset to see yourself as a sheep. In Psalm 23, David did not say, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want uh, and all that for nothing. You know, if it was a goat, the story would have been different. It would have been the Lord has tried to shepherd me, but my goatish tendencies is making me frustrating. That's, that's the kind of thing you will be saying. But that's not what we read there. This was somebody who took the mindset of a sheep. You know, it's one thing for you to accept a shepherd, whether it's God, whether it's another human, other human beings that God will send into your life, it's another thing for you to see yourself as a sheep. The reason why many people are not making a lot out of their Christian life is that they see God as shepherd, but they have refused to acknowledge the fact that they are supposed to take a posture of a sheep. Yeah. So they remain a goat, and if you do that, your Christian life will really have no meaning to you. Yeah. It will be a struggle. Ask any shepherd or anyone who is skilled in you know, animal husbandry. They will tell you that some animals are easier to deal with than some other animals. And we say all animals are equal. <laughs> are you still with me today? So we need to have that mindset that if you're listening to me right now and you're, you're, you're starting out in life, you need to understand that there's a mindset that you need to have if you will be developed into a great leader. Great leadership is, it won't just happen. It takes a lot of effort. And it's really a miracle when it starts to happen. But all of us need to take our position. So there are three words that are important uh, in Jesus' uh, leadership development quest. Uh, one is trust. The other one is empowerment. And the next one is uh, delegate or delegation. Trust, empowerment, delegate. Trust, Empower, delegate. Those are the three words. Trust, empower, delegate. Yeah. The trust to empower people and to delegate. If we practice these three things, we'll see our own leadership quotient going up, everyone around you rising up to leadership, and many great things will start to happen. In fact, when these things start to happen, you know, it looks like a miracle, really. If you have ever been in an environment where Things are growing very fast. And all you can say is that a miracle is happening. You have not said it all. The first effect of that miracle is that leaders are being raised. Yeah. 
Let me tell you a short story. I pastored at Desa Christian Center for over a decade. And I was there from inception. I was at the first service in my pastor's living room in his house in Bariga. And as of 2010, when he released me to plant the Elevation Church, that church had grown from maybe 20 of us in his living room, uh, first service, or first gathering in the name of that church, to over 20,000. Now that church is over 40,000 in all expressions on Sunday morning. Now, you could see that and say, this is just the marvelous work of God. Flip it around. It may not be church. It may be a company. It may be, you know, a not-for-profit. It may be anything. The story of this Christian Center, I'm a product of that story. Leaders were raised. People were empowered. Great things happened. And there was explosive growth. It is a reproducible miracle. Some of us want thunder kind of miracle. And you can't do anything. Can you reproduce thunder? That's what most people want. Just for something to just have go. We can't explain it. Everybody's running a task and it has happened. No. That's why Africa is the way we are. We need more reproducible miracles. Yeah. God is mysterious, but it can be understood. The kingdom of God is not the same with Abali's kingdom. I hope you understand what I'm saying. With Babalao Kingdom, we call it Babalao in this part of the world. Abalist, where they will just do something and miss something together. And then, you know, and something just happened. There's no documentation, there's nothing. We have the Bible, that's our documentation. That's how we can study Jesus and understand the principles of Jesus. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And he says, I mean, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. So Paul was saying, this kingdom is explainable and it is reproducible. Follow me as I follow Christ. Are you still with me today? It's very important. Very important. True Christianity is reproducible miracles we can, because it's based on principles. It's based on principles. And what we call Judeo-Christian principles, principles taught by Christ, and, you know, Jesus also said that the scriptures, the Old Testament, explained him. Yeah. So, Judeo-Christian principles were what the developed world was built on. Today, all of us want to go there. If you're in Africa, Right? Because things work and they are predictable because they are built on a particular set of principles. Principle of equity. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. Yeah. Mutual respect. Respect for law and order. Respect for obligation. Yeah. If, I, if you have an obligation, you have to respect that obligation. All those kind of things. Those, those, those are Christian principles. And then we see things work. Everything is predictable. If you say this will happen at this time, it will happen, you know. And human beings have been created to gravitate from hell to heaven. 
Anything that looks like heaven, where things work, that's where people go. Nobody go towards hell. How can <laughs> so when you see people now, uh, you know, people came for visa. That's why. People love where things work. If a company is working well, you will attract the best hands. Yeah. People love it when things are working. So people will even say, don't worry, don't pay us. We just want to come and work. Yeah. We just love this place. So all this night VG that you're having for God to, you know, let the night VG and prayer lead to obedience and respect to principles. That's what should happen. When we start to live principle-centered life based on the word of God, our struggles will reduce drastically. Such principles are what we're emphasizing this morning. First is trust. Trust. Exodus chapter 18. Exodus 18 from verse 13. Can you put that up for me? Exodus 18 from verse 13. Let's study the word of God together. Exodus 18 from verse 13. Quickly. Exodus 18 and verse 13. And so it was, this was, let me, a, a quick background. This was Moses and Jethro, his father-in-law. Moses was leading the Jews in the wilderness, two million people, two million people that he led out of Egypt. Then Jethro, the priest of Midian, his father-in-law visited and saw how he was leading. And based on that, gave him some principles. And he had enough common sense to listen to that man. He didn't say, my father-in-law has come again. There are some young men listening to me now. Nobody can talk to you. Especially if you have the position to lead two million people. That's why they say Moses was one of the meekest man, men that ever lived. Leading two million people. The other guy was just a priest of Midian. He was, a, he was not a, a priest of God. He was an unbeliever. <laughs> but this guy still listened to him. And he took wisdom from him. So it was, the Bible says, on the next day that Moses sat to judge people and people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people came to me to inquire of the Lord. When they, are, when they have difficulties and they came to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the status of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law uh, said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Sometimes you need somebody to confront you to let you know that what you are doing is not good. Yeah. Tell your neighbor the thing that you do is not good. <laughs> Especially if you are not leading properly. Yeah. If everybody in your unit at work now is complaining, the thing that you do is not good. Let's tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So they told him straight, the thing that you do is not good. Verse 18. He said, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you and you are not able to perform it by yourself. Jethro was saying, it's time to raise new leaders if you want to last. It's time to raise new leaders if you want to last. Verse 19, listen to my voice and I will give you counsel. And God will be with you and stand before God for the people so that you may bring their difficulties to God. 
then verse 20, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Saying, look, the work that they must do and there's one that you should do. Don't do everything. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, eating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundred, and rulers of fifty, and rulers of tens, just based on their capacity. Yeah. And let them judge the people all the time. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they, they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you and for, for, for they will bear the burden with you. Look at verse 23, lastly. If you do this thing, and God so command you, then you will be able to endure. Somebody say, I will endure. Or say it again, say, I will endure. So you will be able to endure, and all these people will also go to their place in peace. It's saying that when leadership is working, everybody is fulfilled. Nobody's wearing out, nobody's family is caving in, you know, everybody's achieving their goals, and we are all fulfilled, and we're moving forward. Anywhere you see a struggle for things to work, you know, in, in the first message I said, wherever there's chaos, there's no leadership. Yeah. Wherever there's wickedness, there's bad leadership. Wherever there's progress and goodness, there's good leadership. Chaos is a signal that there's no leadership. Yeah. Wickedness is a signal that there's bad leadership. And peace and tranquility and progress is a signal that there's good leadership. That's what uh, Jethro was saying here to Moses. That you need to trust people and allow them to lead with you and take the burdens with you. Trust, ladies and gentlemen, is a great word. In September, as we teach on relationship, we will be dwelling more on that. And how lack of trust is breaking many homes. But for this morning, I need you to understand something. You cannot lead people that you don't trust. If you lead as a manager in an office right now, as a leader of a company, you need to tell yourself, I have to trust people. Can you let me tell your neighbor, you have to trust people. Yeah. You have to trust people. You have to be able to trust people. Jethro says, Moses, if you don't want to die before your time, and you want to achieve success at this leadership, you must trust people enough to allow them to take some burdens off you. You must trust them enough to allow them to take some burdens off you. A good leader sees the genius in people even if they don't see it in themselves. We said last week, as we talked on vision, that the leader sees things not the way they are, but the way they can be. Yeah. Not the way they are, but the way they can be. So a good leader sees people not the way they are, but the way they can be. Yeah. And that's what engenders that trust. Because a lot of the time, people say, ah, I can't trust any of these people. They're misbehaving. They're this, that, that, that. You need to try. You need to start from somewhere. You need to start from somewhere. If somebody's here this morning and trust is out of the window in your home, your family, as I speak right now, I pray for you that trust will be restored in that house. In the name of the Lord Jesus. But you need to learn to play your part, which is to start from somewhere. Start from somewhere. Jesus saw genius in fishermen and tax collectors. Can you imagine? Fishermen and tax collectors. He saw them. And he said, I will still work with them. I can still bring them up to speed. And he saw them and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
You have something. It's not what I really want, but I can turn it around to what I want. Yeah. Because if I was looking for people who are already fishers of men, maybe they were not available. Yeah. But it, it did something with what was available. And the rest is history. Billions of Christians all around the world today. People are following Jesus Christ. And it's gone. It's been gone over 2,000 years. And the work is still continuing. Say amen, somebody. So they don't have to be perfect for you to trust them. That's what we're saying. Take, you know, a chance with people. Recognize that there are people, I mean, that, that there are people that are just waiting to be given responsibilities. Sometimes people around us are just waiting to be given responsibilities. And all they're saying is, trust me. Trust me. Allow me. But we are keeping back. You know, one of the blind spots of a leader is for you to think that you are the best in after sliced bread. Yeah. And that the way you can do something, you are the only one on earth that can do it that way. Yeah. That's the reason why some pastors don't allow any other person to preach. That's the reason why uh, some people remain bus conductor forever because the driver will not allow him to touch the steering. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Because some people just, I mean, and that's the reason why some of us are not even allowing our kids to grow. You know, to grow up. I remember the battle I fought with my parents. I learned driving without them knowing. We had like three cars in the house. They won't allow me to touch one as a teenager. Even after I crossed 16, 17, 18, uh-uh. My friend was already driving. I just told my friend, you know what? We'll be meeting at that field somewhere there. And you'll be showing me how to do this thing. The first time my dad saw me driving, he was looking like this. Ah, this boy, he, he looked at me, ah, okay. So one day he now called me to come and drive him somewhere. My uncle was in the car. So as I was driving, we were going, my uncle was telling him, ah, this boy is driving as if he's doing it from the womb. <laughs> <laughs> so I, in my mind, I was telling both of them, I was just talking to myself, you know, concerning them that sit down there. If somebody, if somebody will wait for you, it's heaven that I will drive, not on this earth. <laughs> it's just the fear, as in, the fear of don't kill yourself. Who wants to die? Me too. You want to be careful. You understand? Uh, that's the, and that's the problem most of the time. You want to protect somebody to the detriment of their progress. Yeah. So the people who are protecting, it's not like they too want to die. But give them wings to fly. Allow them. Allow them. Praise God. So look out for attitude as well as, you know, aptitude. Most people, people often hire on aptitude, you know, and fire on attitude. So attitude is much more important. We can give the attitude, the skill later. People who have the right attitude, give them a chance. Give them a chance and watch out for chemistry. Chemistry is also important. The kind of connection, you know, that we have with people. Sometimes you have chemistry with people, but you realize that they don't have the right skills. They do, but they have the right attitude. Give them a chance. That's what we're saying this morning. So people often strive to perform well when you demonstrate trust and faith in them. Look around you today. Will you say you are striving to demonstrate trust and faith in the people around you. Because if you're struggling with that, you need to pray for God to give you grace. Because that's the only way the things that God has put in your hand will grow in your hand. 
If you don't want the things God has put in your hand now to die in your hand, you need to be able to trust people and demonstrate faith in them. Demonstrate faith in them. Praise God. Quickly. Empowerment. Empower. Luke 10 and verse 19. Luke 10 and verse 19. Can you put that up for me? Luke 10 and verse 19. Uh, in Luke 10 and 19, let, let's, let's start from verse 18. Verse 18. The Bible says that the 70 re- returned. So, from verse 18, oh, go to 17. Go to 17. Quickly, quickly. 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. This was what happened. Jesus empowered 70 of the disciples and he said, go. Heal the sick. Do this, do that. And then they returned. He said, they were rejoicing. They saw that their life was amounting to something. They too are now starting to do something. Doing the kind of things that Jesus was doing. So they were rejoicing. They came back rejoicing. Demons were subject to us in your name because this is delegated authority and power. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Why I said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven is that we are now becoming plenty that he has to deal with. <laughs> because now you two can do what I can do. Yeah. And he said, behold, in verse 19, behold, I give unto you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. We claim this today as Christians. We stand against the devil and exert our authority over him. Authority that we delegated authority from Christ. But we refuse to come to terms with the fact that Jesus happened to be the kind of leader who can empower other people. He gave them power. He gave them power. Who are you giving power? If you really want to be like Jesus, who are you giving power to? Who are you empowering? You know, (laughs) in this part of the world, imagine that an African pastor is like Jesus and his disciples then went to meet him and said, give us power. Um, You know, against unclean spirit. You know, the man will look at them and say, hmm, I've been looking at you. You are very ambitious. Yeah. Anybody in your family lineage has cast out, is there anybody that has cast out a demon before? Do you know what it takes to get, get this power? 40 days and 40 nights. I fasted dry. Dry. And then after, the devil himself, not demons, the devil came to tempt me. Have you been tempted before? Yeah. And you know, all the disciples will be shivering like this. Like, today, today, not today. You know, that kind of thing. And then the man will say, if I, I'm closing my eyes now, if I open my eyes, <laughs> and you're still there, thunder will fire you. <laughs> you know? So, is it, is the only power you want to see their mouth? Coconut head. That's, that's what will happen, you know, for an unsecured leader. An insecure leader, that's what will happen. But you see, we read it and take it for granted. Jesus gave his disciples power. Is it that easy? It's not that easy, but that's how to be like Jesus. Who are you empowering? When you run an organization and you are the only one taking all the decisions, you are not like Jesus. Yeah. When you run an organization and you are the only one who is wielding power, you are not like Jesus. Power is meant for distribution. Yeah. It's meant for distribution. You're supposed to give power away. Give it away. If you arrogate more to yourself, it will destroy you. And then, the, the, whatever it is, cannot move beyond you. Are you still with me today? Yeah. 
can't move beyond you. People should be able to take decisions. You regulate it, but you're giving power away. That's what Jesus did here. He gave the power to the 12 first, and then he moved to 70. And then on the day of Pentecost, the power came on everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's why the thing has gone viral till today. Because now, God's plan is that the average believer in Christ Jesus, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, will partake of the power of God and will be able to give it out. Are you still with me today? Yeah? So we need to understand that. This is a kingdom principle. And we need to understand that. That God will give you power, but what you do with it is to give it away. Yeah, to empower other people. Are you still with me today? So if people will go into the world, they will need to be, uh, to be equipped and empowered. So training is critical. It's a critical component of empowerment. Giving out authority is a critical component of, of empowerment. You, you know, another place in the Bible, in, in Matthew uh, 14 or so, uh, Peter saw Jesus walking on water. And I said, Master, if it is you, tell me to come. You know, if you, what is making you feel big? Somebody wants it. <laughs> me too, I want to walk on water. Ah. And Jesus didn't say anything. Come. And the guy jumped on water and was walking on water. Can somebody just ask you like that? That that thing that's making, <laughs> that's making everybody to cringe around you. I want to do it. And he just said, do it. You know, some of us Christians in church now, after this service, Somebody books an appointment with you to meet with you and say, I've seen that your business is doing well. I'm about starting. I just need you to give me some tips. And uh, they say, call me tomorrow. And then the person's phone will be ringing like this. coconutted. You want to start business. <laughs> you see people like you that, uh, you know, you don't even know how somebody has suffered and all the things. You know, many waters are passed under the bridge. Oh. It's not just like that. You just book appointment like that and you get all the tips. Is it just like that? Huh. And then we say we are Christians. Because we speak in tongues. No, that's not what it means to be a Christian. It's to live based on the principles of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's what makes you a Christian. That somebody, I mean, do you know, <laughs> you know what it, what it takes to walk on water? Yeah. And you just make somebody else do it like that. Just come and walk, walk. So it's not only me, all of us are walking on water. Come and walk. Yeah. You just need courage, you to walk. And that's what we're supposed to be telling people today. You can also walk on water. You just need courage. You just need courage. Come, be walking, be walking. I'm monitoring you. Don't worry. You'll be okay. Yeah. If you run a good business here today and there's nobody you are helping to walk on water, you are wasting grace. Yeah. You're wasting grace. Praise God. So create a conducive environment for people to grow and develop around you. We have to create that conducive environment for people to grow and develop around you. Christianity, after the order of Jesus, the Bible says, of his grace we have received. Grace. John 1 and verse 14. John 1 and 17. He said the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth creates the environment, the, the environment where failure is not fatal. Grace is there, truth is there. So telling people the truth, we are cutting them some grace and some slack. So people may start out stuttering and misbehaving, but we don't write them off. Yeah, we just keep teaching them the truth and also, you know, extending some grace to them. Most of the time, 
people hold on too much to the truth, you withdraw grace, people feel uncomfortable, and then they run away. Yeah. That's the same thing we do with our children sometimes. Any parent that is too hard, eh, is only law and truth all the time. Eh? Bible says the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You give some grace, yeah. When I rebuke my children, I finish with I love you. That's grace for you to know that this relationship is still there, you know. Uh-huh. And that's the same thing we should do around with people who work with us and people who are around us. Praise God. So challenge people to act on, 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 you know, on God's word. Let them know that failure is not fatal. And have a support structure around you to help people to grow. Lastly today, lastly today, delegate. You know, I said there are three words. Trust, empower, and delegate. Delegate. In Acts of the Apostles chapter 6, when you read from verse 1 to 7. Acts of the Apostles chapter 6, can you put verse 1? Up for me. The Bible says, in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists uh, because their widows were neglected in daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude. This was after Jesus had gone. Look at what happened. The twelve summoned the multitude and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, it's done on them that they need to delegate. There's a need to delegate. Yeah. Therefore, verse 3, brethren, seek out from among you seven good men, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And the Bible says, uh, it said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the world. We do the most important or we do more strategic things, you take over operational stuff. And sort it out so that all these complaints can go. They started to delegate. Verse 5. And the saying pleased all the multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. That's a young convert, a proselyte, a, a convert from Antioch. Look at verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, and they had laid hands on them, they delegated them. But the effect of it is what I wanted to see, verse 7 lastly, the effect of it. And the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. That verse 7 is very key. The verse 7 is what most people pray for. That whatever we have in our hand, we grow and become big, right? Can I get a yes? The word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. The product of the church is disciple making. It's disciples. They said their market sold. The product, the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Yeah. I don't want you to, I want you to use your church mind to hear me, but use your commercial mind too. You understand what I'm saying? Understand that what I'm teaching this morning works everywhere. Leadership works everywhere. They said what they were doing blew. But what led to it? They made a decision to start to increase leaders, to delegate, and to give out some authority and some power to other people. And it was just a game changer. Everything started to change. Things grew. You limit your leadership potentials 
when you fence in rather than fencing out. I'll close on that. Somebody was asked in a farming town many years ago, a banker, how do you decide which farmer to fund? The banker said, when I walk around their farm, I look at farmers, some of them are fencing in. That means wherever their crop ended, that was where they fenced. And some of them are fencing out. The ones that are fencing out, it meant their crop ended here, but they, had, they have acquired more land and they are fenced out for future development. The man said, those are the people that I finance. If you fence in, I don't finance you. If you fence out, I finance you. That was the banker talking. This was a farming town. Fencing in and fencing out is important in leadership. Are you fencing in or fencing out? As a church, we want to fence out. We, want to, we believe that God will use us massively. So leadership development is a major issue for us. If you are fencing in and all you can do is all you are doing, and you are reducing the capacity of what God wants to do around you, you are not willing to fence out so that you have more land and other people can take charge of it and all that, and you trust people, you empower them, you delegate to them, you are going to limit what God wants to do in your life. Can you ever look at your neighbor and say, fence out? Yeah. You're going to limit what God wants to do in your life. Let me wrap this all up today. Fencing out will increase your growth potentials. Fencing out enhances or guarantees the future. And fencing out deepens commitment of the people. They know that they can also fulfill their destiny within the scope of what you are doing. It's time for us to go viral in our leadership effort. It's time for us to go viral. It's time for us to go viral. I'd love to pray today as I bring this to a close. I want all of us to know that Jesus is our great leader. He wants to trust you. He wants to empower you. And he wants to delegate you to go into the world. Yeah, that's, that's the whole plan. He trust us to empower us. We will never be perfect, but he will still trust us. And he wants to empower us by putting his power upon us. And then he wants to send us out. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus, you cannot take up the obligation of going, being empowered, and being delegated to. I want all of, all of us to bow down our heads in one moment as I say a prayer. For everyone watching online, please join us in this prayer. I want to pray for people here today who may be saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yet, I want to enjoy his power. I want to walk within his supervision. I want to become that great person that God has empowered, I mean, has made me to be. It will only happen when it starts with a relationship. Jesus wants to trust us, empower us, and delegate us. That's why he wants to send us into our world. I'd love to pray for anyone here today who may be saying, I'm far away from Jesus. I want to rededicate my life to God. Or I just, I've never said this prayer before. I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I want Jesus in my life. With all that's bowed, wherever you may be sitting in this auditorium and any of that center and all around the world where you may be watching from, can I ask that you lift your right hand up above your head? 
I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to say a prayer for you right now. God will come into your life. You will never be the same again. It's a new beginning for you as you say this prayer with me today. It's a new beginning for you. We never love to close our service without giving an opportunity to somebody to make a decision for Jesus. And I'm asking you to join this prayer because God wants to do something new in your life. If you are lifting your hand, I want you to lift it very well. Lift it very well. Lift it very well. God is starting with you this morning. His dealings in your life will never come to an end. If your hand is up, can you stand by your chair right there? Just stand by your chair right there. Stand by, remain where you are, but stand by your chair right there. Thank you for standing. Thank you for standing. We're still waiting for one or two people. One or two people right here. One or two people in some of the centers. Who need to make this decision this morning? And I want you to just stand. Join people standing and stand. God will start, start something new in your life. You'll never be the same again. Thank you, my sister, for standing. Thank you for standing. Just stand right now. Stand right now. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for standing. Thank you for standing. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for standing. Thank you for obeying God today. Any other person that's obeying God today with enough courage to stand for Jesus this morning, you'll never be the same again. Please join the people standing and stand. Just stand. God will start something new in your life. If you're standing, wherever you may be right now, in any of the centers, if you're standing, joining us, I want you to say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I cannot save myself. I ask that you forgive me my sins and cleanse me from every unrighteousness. I receive you today into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for accepting me the way I am. I pledge my life to you for the remaining days of my life to live for you, to know you, love you, and serve you with my life. Thank you, Father. The elevation.